0: was a launching pad for what Anna Jarvis did for Mother's Day. If you recall, she was the initiator who started Mother's Day tradition. So with that tradition being started in the early 1900s, another individual by the last name Clayton, she wanted to celebrate celebrate her father. She realized that there wasn't a Father's holiday. So, the first observance of Father's Day was held in uh, July 5th, 1908, in West Virginia. It was at a Methodist Episcopal Church, um, now as known as Met- uh, Central United Met this church. Uh, Grace Clayton was mourning the loss of her father when in, Dece- uh, in December of 1907, uh, her father was in a mining disaster. Uh, he was killed along with 361 men. 250 of them were fathers. And leaving around uh, thousands of fatherless children. Uh, Clayton suggests that her pastor, Robert Thomas, will honor those men. So on June 19, thank you, 1910, a Father's Day celebration was held at the YMCA and spoken Washington. Her father, the Civil War veteran, William Jackson Smart, was a single parent who raised his six children there at the Presbyterian Church. So the, the deaths of those 361 men spark the tradition that we celebrate today. Start the tradition that we celebrated today. So I thought about how can I be encouraging to fathers. Um, what can I say? What biblical passages we can go to? And I always think it's best to start by thinking about God as being the Father of all. Uh, That's how I do uh, biblical interpretation. This is how I uh, do Bible study. I always start from the viewpoint of God. This is how we ought to do inductive Bible study anyway. Start with God and allow the application to go from there. So, turn to Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. And we. after that, we're going to jump to... Isaiah 45, verses 11 through 13. And these two passages, I just want you to get the broad view that God is the father of everything. That he is the creator of everything. And from that view, we're going to look at the spiritual aspect of how God has, has given men the spiritual obligation to be fathers. All right. And after that, we will have Melvin and Arlen to come up to speak uh, from their own personal experiences of what it means to be fathers to their children. Amen? Amen. Alright, it says in Isaiah... 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, you are Father. We are the clay. You are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. He is the Father. We are the clay. Literally, we can just get the simple idea that he has formed He has fashioned, he has made every single individual for a purpose. When it comes to pottery, many people form and scope clay, and they fashion it into their liking. They fashion it to be a vase or a cup. Or whatever they want it to be. So God has fashioned every single individual according to his pleasure. According to his own liking. Now let's look at Isaiah 45 verses 11 through 13. says, thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and the one who formed him, ask me of things to come. Will you command me concerning my children in the works of my hands? I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretch out the heavens and I commanded all their hosts. I stirred him up in righteousness and I will make all his ways level. He shall build my city and set my exiles free, not for the price of reward, says the Lord. What did the Lord do here? He created man and set man on the earth. Like I said, in terms of how Special females are, that they are wonderful creatures. Men are special as well. We, men and women, they complement each other. This is the idea of complementarian theology, of how a man has a role and a wife has a role too. Both are equal to each other. However, both has different roles. And we see that in the Garden of Eden. We see that in the Trinitarian doctrine, uh, the, tri, um, the Trinity. That the Godhead is, is all equal to each other. But each of them plays a special role. So here, we, we complement our women, we, and we want to set them uh, and lift them up to a high standard, and our women does the same here, uh, same thing for men. We work together. Now, with those two passages being the launching pad for today's uh, sermon, which is going to be short, Give you that. Um, I want to set forth and show you, very briefly, why it is important that God has set men in the household. Number one, it's not about just being a physical, uh, having a physical present in the household as men anybody can do that. Joe Blow firm down the street can do that. But it's, it's very important that men is in the household being there, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually. You know, my wife and I, we were just talking about how I, and I was also sharing with my Sunday school kids, along with my wife, that how distractions have have deterred me from being emotionally and mentally present for my wife. So, for me, I can easily get in a corner, pick up a book and read, and have peace and quiet. That's easy for me to do. But what is harder for me to do is be mentally uh, present for my wife. So, the spiritual obligation, and and using and understanding that God is the Father of all, and how God has designed the household to be that men and women complement each other. We, I wholeheartedly, like I said, I wholeheartedly believe in complementarian theology that men has a a a a role and women have a role, and each of those roles are totally different, but they complement each other. So if you turn to 1 uh, Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3 um, this is how God has set forth in the household and how we how the world should um, demonstrate and practice their uh the household that God has designed. Uh since everything that God has designed is made out of clay as Isaiah chapter 64 uh said that God has fashioned things according to his own pleasure. So, turn to 1 Corinthians 11.3. Are you there to say amen? Amen. It says, but I want you to understand the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband. And the head of Christ is... God, this is the framework that God has given us. This is uh, complementarianism. This is the ideal and the framework that the wife and the children is under the headship of the husband. And the man, the husband, is under the headship of Christ, and Christ is under the headship of God. You know, just to give you a little story, um, my wife and I have been married for 12 years, going on 13. And in the early of our marriage, uh, we was on our honeymoon phase, we was on cloud nine. We always think that, uh, and, and everybody know who has been married know that within the five years, first five years of their marriage, everything is gravy, everything is copastetic. everything should, is 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 what it ought to be, good. But once the clouds clear it out, we realize we have two sinners in our soul with each other, which cause problems. So, as a another Christian brother said to me when my wife and I was going through difficulties within the first five years of our marriage, he said, "Well, Jay, I used to work. He called me Jay because I used to work as a correctional officer, and we go by our last names." He said, "Jay, instead of you bickering about your wife, you should go to Christ and pray for your wife." And I wanted to tell him to shut up, <laughs> because I didn't want to hear it. But I knew he was right, and he still is. But, and he's right, and that's what I did. I went to Christ, because Christ is my head. So when any time that my wife had a problem with me, she would pray and she would go to Christ. As this worldly phrase goes, uh, the head cannot turn without the neck. I think that's backwards. <laughs> it's the head that directs the neck to turn. So whenever she had a problem, she went to Christ directly. And this is what we see here. So, Here's the number one thing that I I believe that God has given all fathers uh, to do is to take care of their house and to be spiritually, mentally, and emotionally, and physically present as fathers. If you turn over to Titus 1.4, you would notice that Paul was speaking to an individual, Titus, who was not his son, but yet he says, he says to Titus, my true child and a common faith. To Titus, my true child and a common faith. He said that to Titus. He said that to Timothy. The, Timothy and Titus were young individuals who were ministers uh, um, and, and trusting in the gospel. But Paul took those two young men underneath his wings and became fathers to them. They looked up to him. This is quite common for young men. It's natural for young men to look up to older men as fathers. What is unnatural is that younger men looking up to older men as, uh, older men who are degenerate in mind and heart as fathers. That I would say is unnatural. But naturally, younger men are seeking that void. If, if, If there is a void there. And if there is a void there, they're going to naturally seek out their leadership. They're going to naturally seek out the head of the household, which is the men. This is why we have a lot of gangs in the United States and across the world. Because you're having young men following out their other young men, because there is no man for them to follow out there. I recall hanging out with an older guy because, you know, I was stupid and sinful. I'm still sinful, but I was really sinful. And just hanging out with him. And what he did was, I can't even say from this podium. And I did. And I entertained it. Because there was a young man, which which was I. Looking for leadership. Looking for a man to follow. So there's the spiritual obligation, the mental obligation, the physical obligation, and the emotional obligation that God has given man. Now, it's, I think it would be safe to say that it would be difficult for a man to say that He is the man of the household if he's not taking care of the household. Those are contradictory terms. What does scripture say about that? The scripture says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So there's spiritual neglect that goes on all the time. There's physical neglect, emotional and physical. I never say physical, but emotional neglect as well. So what about if we have a Christian brother who is saying that, well, I'm not at home, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that for my household. And we have confidence that he is a brother in the Lord. What should we do with that individual? Well, we should encourage him, exhort him to be the man that God has called him to be, to take care of his family, because if he's practicing a lifestyle where he's not taking care of his family, he has denying the faith. He's practicing faithlessness. So, the individual who practices those type of things have to be reminded that they, too, have a Father in Heaven. That they will have to give an account for everything that they have did and said to their children, to their wives, I meant to their wife. Because God is the Father of all. Turn to Romans 8.5. I mean 8.15. In fact, let's read Romans eight verses twelve through fifteen. Paul said, "So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you but if by the Spirit you put the death put to death the deeds of the body, you will live." For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That we cry, Abba, Father. Like I said in the beginning, everything leads it back to God. So when it comes to me personally, um, not having my biological father in my life for uh, 33 years doesn't bother me anymore. It used to bother me when I was around 20 or 21. But now it doesn't. Because I know that my Father, who is in heaven, is my Father. The weight, the, the weight of that reality, that truth, gives me all that I need. Because I have been adopted as a son. And when it comes to me being as a respite parent and some of these kids, kiddos don't coming from uh, don't have a father, I know I'm not their biological father, nor do I want to be. But I know that there's a responsibility for me to fill a void for them, to substitute or supplement a void that they may be having. So, Father's happy Father's Day to you. And be mindful that you've been a father to your own bio kids or non bio kids, that you have to be spiritually present, emotionally present, mentally present. And physically present. It seems to me, as I think about my uh, previous sermon, that I have, I kind of lift up the men a little bit more. This is just the way I'm feeling right now. A little bit more than the women when I did Mother's Day uh, Sunday. And the reason why is because men have a greater responsibility. if we do not be the man that God has called us to be, there's no need for us to use the title, um, to accept the title as fathers. If you think about Adam, Adam is the father of many people today, of many Again, there's only two people in this world, those who are in Christ and those who are in Adam. There's only two people in the world. And for those who are still in Adam, will die in their sins because they have not believed nor accepted Christ. And they would do what their father have done. When when Eve uh, listened to the serpent in, in the Garden of Eden, Adam was right there being irresponsible and not being the man that God has fashioned him to be. But for those who are in Christ, understand that their obligation cannot be jeopardized. It cannot be compromised to the the point of just nearly standing by while their families are getting attacked. Amen? Amen. So now I'm going to have Arlen and Melvin come up. Um, Arlen, if you don't mind, come up first, and Mel will uh, speak second. And I will close this out. You all ready to That's why I preach this short sermon.
1: So, Melvin, you only get three. (laughs) Good morning, Eckerdine. So I I have the privilege and the honor of, I got a call from Pastor Travis this week and wanted me to share about... what it meant to be a father? Or? Yeah,
0: what it means to be a father, and what it means to be a father to one.
1: Yeah. So uh, how appropriate is that my brother is here with his daughters um, from Virginia, which is an awesome thing to see. Um, so uh, thank you for having my nieces here today. Um, as I think about when my daughter was born, I was that dad that was in the delivery room, and I cut the cord, and I held her, and... They whisked mom away, and the whole time I talked to her, and I believe everybody in my family knows this, that I would say to my daughter, the only reason why I was born was to be your dad. And I remind her of that all the time. And I have the T-shirt. I don't know where it's at, but I have the T-shirt. And I remember August 10th, somebody fact-checked this date for me. It was a Saturday. It was the 13th. Somebody fact-checked that for me. August 10th, 2013. When we went to the mall every Saturday and I got out of the car, listen to this, Erin, and I went around to the car and I grabbed her hand and she went, she pushed my hand away. And I was just like, I'm just going to test that one more time. I stepped up to her and I, I gave her my hand again and she just pushed it away and kept on walking. I knew then that was the beginning of the end. And at that moment, at her birth, my life flashed before me. That would have been at age 10. And I knew at her birth, I was responsible for being able to allow her to go and leave now and leave her own life. So I'm a transitioning father right now. (laughs) Stop, Vic. (laughs) Transitioning father right now, she's 17. She has her own car. Uh, And today, she's going, she called me and goes, hey, Dad, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, I'm thinking to myself, we better be doing something. It's Father's Day. Um, (laughs) I'm going to take you out to dinner. So I'm going to be going out to dinner with my daughter, and she's going to pay. And so this is what I've been all, we've all been working for. (laughs) So today, I will be going out to dinner uh, with my daughter. Uh, I probably won't try to break her, um, as she is Probably broken me financially, emotionally, and physically, but I won't. I will not break her. But uh, today is about fathers, and uh, similar as Pastor Travis said, we have been celebrating. Depending on what date you use, we have been celebrating Mother's Day for a hundred years, exactly a hundred years. Father's Day, it was officially a national holiday by Richard Nixon. Uh, in 2072, so uh, that's not to say how fathers rate or value, but I just have a few little things that I that I've kind of looked at throughout the week, and uh, this great card that my wife gave me this morning. Um, a good man provides, protects, guides, gives, lifts, and loves. It says, "It." My daughter makes me wear glasses, too, now. It can't always be easy putting others first, holding other people up, and figuring out how to lead the way and stay in your own stride and step. It's a huge responsibility to be the cover, not only for your wife, but for your family. And uh, it's a difficult job, but we do it with our wives. So that for that to be support... Uh, I often turn to family life for a lot of things in my life. I think they're very balanced in their teaching and very balanced in the things that they do. And so I looked up an article this Friday, and it says, although there's many reasons, there was a wife, uh, Lisa Lackey, that talks about seven reasons I'm thankful for my husband and the father of my kids. It says, our our kids would only be half as awesome, half as cool, half as strong, if he wasn't here. And to put that in a biblical term, it says Proverbs 27, the righteous who walks in his integrity blesses his children after him. So uh, to start, uh, does it bother anyone that Mother's Day was the official first holiday for a parent? Um, It seems that even though being a husband – Uh, The family could not survive, provide, be protected, or be whole without uh, a father. Parenting can be hard, and I can't think of anyone else I'd rather raise my kids with than my husband and the father of my kids. When we all work as a team, it's a lot of fun. It's also a way to show each other thanks. So Father Day, here's to fathers and husbands. Here's a few reasons why we are so thankful for you. We are thankful for those nights you work late, those nights that you're at the office or after hours of emergencies. Yep, thankful for those nights because we couldn't do this without you. Thankful for reminding me that our kids are not so fragile. Every single time you toss our kids up in the air when they were so tiny, I cringed. It says, the worry sensor that moms have in our brains, which is scientifically made from God, tends to let us over go overboard in the things that are going to happen to our children. So when I'm driving home from work, sometimes late, my wife is constantly calling me, and I never have my cell phone on because I work at hospitals, and there's whistles, and there's beeps, and there's buzzes, and you know what I'm talking about, Miss Ann, all the sounds that you have. So I turn my phone off just so I can have some peace. And so my wife's overactive Scientific, danger switch, I'm always in a ditch. I'm not in a ditch. If I'm in a ditch, I'm going to call you. The other thing is that uh, to be thankful for is thank you for always backing backing me up. Sometimes dads get to be the bad guy. You know, sometimes in parenting there's a good cop and the bad cop. Just wait till your father gets home. That always allows the mom to have the good side of everything. Um, thank you for being a role model uh, and being having integrity and accountability and responsibility. Thanks for spending time, Dad, you know this, for spending your free time fixing all the broke stuff in the house. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I have a saying at my house that uh, something gets broke and nobody knows. And I never use it. Uh, So it's got to be somebody in the house. So I invented these people I call the blue people. So the blue people broke it again. And the next time you see them, tell them to come see me. Um, And then finally, two more. Thanks for never uh, mentioning that I forgot to say thank you. So sometimes being a wife as well as a, a dad, it's a thankless job. You know, sometimes, you know, I, as my wife, as she does things that I don't recognize, and she'll whisper to my ear, you know, know, hey, you know, I put your socks in the drawer for you. And sometimes we don't recognize those things happen. And sometimes we're too tired to think about that it happened, but at 4 o'clock in the morning when I go to work and I reach in that thing and grab a pair of socks to put in my gym bag to go to the gym, they're there. So thank you. And then finally, thanks for all the ways you bring the touch to the family. And being a husband and a dad. You know, so sometimes as dads, uh, as I said in the card, um, it's hard to lead and keep your own self in stride. And so the final statement that this young lady says is that um, our kids would only, wouldn't be as half as awesome, half as cool, as half as strong if we didn't have you. Thank you, dads.
2: thank Arlen for giving his perspective the way he did. It kind of led me to go in a slightly different direction, but pretty similar. Um, uh, First of all, for those who know me and and know that I've been here a while now, if I start rattling off what my kids' ages are, you might pass out, but here it goes. Um, I have four children, two of them that were adopted, that I adopted, have my last name and two of them, of course, Allison and Bradley, as you know, as the twins. Um, and they are scattered about uh, in different parts of the world or the country. Um, Allison uh, is in Tallahassee, Florida. She is at uh, Florida State, and she is teaching there. And she is going to be 39 years old this year. What did I say, Allison? Alicia, I beg your pardon. Gave the wrong... Wrong person. Alicia is going to be 39 later this year. Uh, Terry is in uh, Wiley, Texas. Uh, that's near Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, he is living there. Uh, he will be 36 years old this year. And the twins, Allison and Bradley. Um, Allison is in Durham, North Carolina, uh, working and playing and singing and doing all the things that she's doing. And Bradley is in Canton, uh, Canton, Ohio. Uh, He's engaged to be married. And both of them will be 32 years old in about another week or so uh, on the 18th. That's their birthday, June 18th. So uh, those are my kids. So they're scattered about, and they are all healthy, doing well from all accounts. And I'm very blessed to have had them in my lives as far as being a father to them. Um, The one thing that I had learned after, you know, they've left the household, they've been out for quite some time now, so we don't have a whole lot of interaction with them. Uh, I don't talk to them very often. I do every now and then. We get texts back and forth. Uh, I've had, frankly, more communication with my own father um, who is in Florida, and um, I learned a great deal from him. He's the one that um, has had Quite a uh, meteoric change from his life, from what I remember when I was much younger. Um, the one thing that I don't do that my dad does, and it's an example that maybe some of you guys can relate to some of you dads, but you know my dad had a tendency when he was at home, he would just kind of walk around in his skivvies all day. He he would uh, he wouldn't wear pants. So you know you have to. That's something I don't do. I, I, that's the one thing that I have not picked up from him and he will still just keep doing that as long as he's alive. So uh <laughs> so <laughs> that's the one thing I don't do um but uh, he's pretty funny about that. But I spoke to my dad on Friday uh when he called me after receiving our Father's Day card in the mail. And he said he was still recuperating after his return from a trip to Japan last week. Now he went to Japan, but he's doing great. He really is. He is 82 years old and 82 years young, frankly, and has amazingly become a world traveler in his senior years. He's been to Israel. He's been to Europe. He's now uh, done this Japan thing. And uh, i got to tell you, that's really something. A world traveler in his senior years. He's been places I can only dream about, and I'm very, very happy for him. Um, I'm thankful that my dad knows the Lord as well. He was leading... Bible studies with my mom a few years back, and he's now doing it where he is in Fort Lauderdale. And we've had a very good conversations about Jesus and faith, and uh, he is a praying man, which is all that you as a son can hope for, for your father, your family, family members, and I am very, very thankful for that. With all of this, my dad and I did not always have the greatest relationship. Now, It wasn't an awful relationship, but upon reflection, I think a lot of what we experienced was, frankly, life just getting in the way. A lot of things that were happening. When we both got through our stuff and both grew a little bit older, I learned about how loyal he really is. He was the primary caregiver for my mother, his first wife, who is presently in what I would call an extreme assisted living uh, for Alzheimer's disease. That's where she is today. Uh, his desire to look after her goes back many years, even though she had divorced him. He showed me that he was willing to make sacrifices for her care and often at the expense of his own health. You know, my dad got shingles, you know, to the point where, you know, was, there was so much going on and he kind of fought through that too. It got to a point where we had lunch one day when he was here, and I told him that he had done a wonderful job caring for mom, but it was time for him to get out of here and go to Florida. Since that day, it also appears that his relationship with my brother has also improved, and they have spent time together as well. My dad taught me what it is to be patient and kind which are the attributes of love expressed in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud or arrogant. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's my dad. That's who he has grown up to be and turned out to be. Um, Let's face it. Caring for someone who does not know or remember what they are doing is all of this love that I just read about and even more. It requires empathy and humility. He taught me this patience as I learned what was really going on. He didn't complain or bemoan his situation. When I took over the responsibility of care for my mother, I am grateful for his example. I point to this experience as being a catalyst in my pursuit of wanting to become a chaplain. All these attributes that we're talking about involving care for other people, caring for someone else. The attributes of 1 Corinthians thirteen four through 8 come into play, and I sincerely want to reflect these same things in my own service for Jesus Christ. On this Father's Day, it is not about recognizing your father's perfection, because he was hardly perfect. As a father, I wasn't perfect. I can see how my dad did the best he could with the hand he was dealt, and I get it now. He had to grow in his role of a father just as I had to grow in my same role. There's no such thing as a dad manual when you become a parent. What a dad provides to his family is to live by example. It is the total body work of his life from one imperfection, one of imperfection to that of a Christ-like example to his wife and children. Make sure that you look at the journey of your dad over the years and give your praise to the one who enabled him to get where he is today and for where you are today as well. Thanks.